Thank you. Hey! That's perfect. Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. Whoa! <laughs> How about that for just, whoa! <laughs> Celebrate Jesus. Man, you know, I, whoa! I have to say, I, I, I get very squirmish when, you know, people want to honor me like that, and I so appreciate it, but it's like, I just want to honor my Jesus. You know, (laughs) we've been having some fun. (laughs) I have to say, I have never, ever, 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 ever seen Lonnie jump and dance like she did tonight. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? It's like, I mean... What God's done in the last two Someone that was so sick. <laughs> I know. We need to play that song. <laughs> he saved me. Justin. <laughs> okay, now, you guys are acting like you never heard that song before. I know that's not true. <laughs> You've never seen me before. Wow. <laughs> hey. So if you haven't figured it out, I'm pretty unorthodox. <laughs> and I plan to stay that way. <laughs> but um, just, you know, a little background. I'm from New Orleans. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I live full-time in Bulgaria, and I have for the last five years. I worked mostly with the gypsies all over eastern part of Europe, all over Bulgaria, Turkey, Greece, Romania, starting to go into the UK. <laughs> God just keeps expanding the territory. <laughs> Can't wait till he just covers the whole thing. You know, one of the most amazing things about gypsies is they're so, I mean, they've always been known as travelers and very transit and... <clears throat> You know, all of that. (laughs) And they still are. You know, we can have our worship team and we, you know, see them one night and the next, you know, we have a meeting the next day and, you know, we make plans to meet ahead of time, do what we got to do. And and we go and we're like, where's Bojador? He's the keyboard player. Oh, he left this morning for Italy. They have no money. They don't know where they go. You know where they're going to go. They have no plans. No, you know nothing. They just go. They just go. They hear there's a job and they just go. But who else is more fitted to run with the gospel? You know, and I think sometimes we need to learn from that. You know, it's just. <laughs> Winnie challenged me recently. Winnie and George and Banoff are my dear friends, and we partner in this together and been knowing them for a long time. <laughs> Winnie and I actually met on the floor together. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's totally true. It was in, back in 95. <laughs> 
And at the time, I was in the choir, and it's not because I could sing. And <laughs> it just it was the best place to drink the Holy Ghost. And our choir would usually end up on the floor all through service. And so I was laid out on the platform <laughs> at the end of service, and up comes this woman staggering and, and plops down in front of me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, she's loud like me. <laughs> I was like, man, I need her as my friend. <laughs> and she all but crawled inside of the podium. And so we've been friends ever since. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You know, that God just, you know, he, you know, God-given friends are the most, the best friends ever. You know, I have a handful, and I treasure those relationships. You know, it's just, I don't know, if, you know, God's ever given you a friend, but if he hasn't, ask him for one. It's a huge difference. They're friends that you could totally count on. And they're friends that won't just tell you what you think you want to hear. <laughs> I like friends that just tell me straight up. I'm straight up. I want them to tell me straight up. So for those of you that don't know me, like I said, I'm from New Orleans. I actually moved to Bulgaria two weeks before Katrina hit. And uh, with my children... And my mother's still there. And saw God just totally supernaturally protect them. You know, my son did lose his entire home, but <clears throat> they were all good. My daughters were good. My grandkids were good. My mom was good. There was absolutely no damage to my house. Even with limbs falling on it, there was no damage to the shingles. You know, and that was my introduction to the ministry. <laughs> but you know how faithful he is? You know, because it was in two weeks before that, the Lord repeatedly kept telling me, you take care of my business and I'm going to take care of yours. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. You know, sometimes you don't know what that trust looks like. But if you just step out there and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and you just take him at his word, you're going to see it happen. You're going to see it manifest. I've seen it over and over and over again. And he just keeps setting that bar a little higher and a little higher. I, I, <laughs> I'll trust him for anything. You know, I, I, I don't worry about anything. I don't, you know, never afraid. I'm never alone. <laughs> never lonely. Because I trust him. He said that he would be my all in all. And he is. Isn't that good? So anyway. Yay! So I moved to Bulgaria two weeks before Katrina. Everything's good. You know, it took me a week to find out about my family. It took me a month to find out about my home. And, you know, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything in the world. Because of that foundation that he laid, 
it's sure. And I can stand on it. And it doesn't shake. Hallelujah. I know. Hope that encourages somebody. <clears throat> so, <laughs> people are like, well, what do you do? I do everything. <laughs> I, you know, some missionaries get that, you know, privilege to just be stationary and one thing, and, you know, that's their little job. <laughs> I don't have that privilege. <laughs> but I love what I do, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, my children ask me sometimes, you know, are you about finished, Siobhan? You ready to move back? You know, I'm like, I don't think I ever will. You know, in Deuteronomy, the word talks about it. God promises us that we could have a job that we would absolutely love. And I have mine. And I'm sure Brent has his. You know, when you're in your place, it's totally satisfying. It's totally fulfilling. You know, sometimes you try to push your way into something because you think that this is where you belong. And, and sometimes you're trying to put that square peg in a round hole. But if you just wait and let the Lord open up your place, you'll fit just perfect. So we, there's three villages that we actually feed, and we feed them as much as we possibly can, you know, as, as far as the resources go that we do. <clears throat> there's one little place called Bresnica, and it's up in the, way high up in the Balkans, and this whole city is so poor that there's, you know, there's no jobs, there's no nothing. And what this village does is they go up into the mountains and just reap mushrooms, herbs, whatever, and sell them for pennies. And that's what they try to live off of. And so we we bought chickens for them like four times now. <laughs> but all the chickens always disappear. <laughs> We're trying to teach them, you know, let them reproduce, eat the eggs. <laughs> you know, and then there's the stories, well, they had a fox. <laughs> So we're always looking for creative ways. And I was talking to my friend Mariana, and I said, you know what? Let's start believing for manna. You know, it's like these people are starving. You know, I mean, why not? You know, I hear all these doom and groom prophets talking about how we're going to run out of food and water and all this stuff. That's not what the Word says. The word says that God is our provision. And you know, that they might run out of food and water, but you know what? His church won't. If he has to give us manna, again, he will. You know, I'm, I'm not opposed. Hey, a little glory food? Hey, it's good for me. <laughs> so, you know, we do this, and so we feed them, and we have probably about 70 to 80 Gypsy churches, and always planting new ones, you know, always training up more leaders, you know, it, you, you train up a leader, and you're just about ready to send them out, and they go left on you, <laughs> it's 
like, oops. <laughs> Next go around. We, um, one of our churches in Sophia, we had this gypsy pastor and his wife, you know, were overseeing the church and we were working with them and all of a sudden they said, we're leaving in two weeks. Where are you going? Belgium. <laughs> so, you know, now we're, now we're overseeing two churches again, you know, where we're pastoring. <laughs> it's so much fun. But, <clears throat> you know, it's just, God's good. He's faithful. You know, um, for those of you that don't know much about the gypsies, um, they're everywhere in the world. I guarantee you have some here. They're just right in amongst you. You know, and the sad thing about most American gypsies now, they're losing their culture. They're losing their heritage. And I, that just grieves me. You know, a lot of the American gypsies don't speak gypsy. You know, and because they all they have their own language and they speak it globally. And they're losing that. And I'm like, Lord, no. <laughs> you know, so it's just, I, I hate that. That, <clears throat> you know, we'll see. We'll see what God's going to do. I really, I'm trying to be mindful of the time. And uh, so I'm going to do a few things tonight. But I want to share something with you that the Lord gave me this morning. <clears throat> I just ask you to just let your heart be open and let God speak to you. You know, it's just a lot of times things are more caught than understood. And I like it when he does that. So when I'm starting, when I'm reading Romans 7, so if you have your Bible, you can look. If you don't want to look, that's fine too. If you want to lay on the floor, that's fine. <laughs> Feel free, people. You know, Jesus gave us this great freedom, and that we need to enjoy it to its fullness. <clears throat> oh, hey. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but man, it's hot up here. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to start in verse 1. Oh, hey. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a, has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But the, if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while we... Uh, da, 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 da. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free. That She is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she is... She, man, I can't even read. Ah. <clears throat> Though she has married another man, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit in God. 
Pooh. That's good news. Hey, I was recently talking to Winnie, and Winnie was reading in Romans 7, and she was, you know, where it talks about where you were sold into sin. And she looked up that word, and it means trafficked. Puts a whole nother spin on it. You know, and as I was reading this this morning, I was just thinking, it's like, man, Lord, you use all these parallels about marriage and relationships and sin and death. Hey. <laughs> and he doesn't do anything on accident. You know, I'm like, hey, hmm, hmm. Now, you have to understand, when a gypsy has a wedding, it usually lasts three or four days. And there's plenty of dancing and celebrating. There's just plenty of life. You know, and only the women can dance. And usually what happens is that morning, in the mornings, they come with their drums and their accordions to her door. And there begins this processional that dances through the streets of the village. I mean, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome thing to experience. And this goes on for three or four days. And she has multiple dresses, you know, know, and then they're not white. You know, she'll dress it, she'll wear one dress for a few hours and then she'll go change into another dress and the party just keeps going. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and just thinking about that, that kind of celebration of life in union. And what God said about the law. You know, how we're dead to sin. You know, so that means at one point we must have been married to sin. And he didn't just divorce us from sin. He made us widowers of sin. So that we'd be free to marry another. Isn't that good? That you were literally taken from one kingdom to another. And the celebration of life that that is. You know, that we don't have to keep struggling with the old nature. He didn't leave any of it there. He completely killed that thing. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool? You know, all those hang-ups, all those... You know, I have no self-esteem. All those issues are dead. That's part of that old life. It can't resurrect. Isn't it awesome? You know, we were talking. I've been having fun all over the place for the last few days. Yesterday we were in Sausalito. (laughs) Man. (laughs) I'm just thankful for supernatural strength. We were talking about, whoa. Ah! No. I totally lost my train of thought. Ah! Hey, you know, that's really a bad thing for a preacher. Ah! 
Whoa. We were talking. Whoa. Okay, Lord, help me. (laughs) Okay, well, hey, let's go on. (laughs) So we just move on. I guess it wasn't important. (laughs) But if you think about, like, you know, in Ephesians 5 where it talks about marriage. (laughs) Man, y'all get so quiet. It's like this summer. (laughs) It's like, lighten up, man. It's the free life. It's good to be happy. (laughs) Can I I tell you, when you see about 300 gypsies just dancing through church, they're not frowning. (laughs) They're laughing and they're celebrating. I love, love, love to see like the Turkish descendant gypsies. Man, they get up there and they start doing these Turkish dances, and it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen. I, it, it just blows me away. <laughs> oh, they're always drunk. <laughs> but can, you know, they're and they're drunk, usually drunk one way or the other, but. Um, <laughs> But do you know the alcoholics in a lot of the villages, when they hear I'm in the village, they come find me. They do, because they just want me to pray for them and to love on them. Do you know that it's the love of God that draws man into repentance? You know, this whole thing of pushing, pushing, pushing the gospel on people, it doesn't work. And it surely doesn't work where I live. It's the love of God that, that draws them. You know, and it's the love of God that that wins them over. You know, because it's like when he touches a life, when he loves on somebody, they're permanently changed. Hey! So so a lot of times I have, you know, they all come seek me out. (laughs) And I say most of the time they don't smell very well. And... And they're, they're hanging on you, you know, and you're like, oh, bless me. <laughs> and I love to. I love to just pray for them. Because I know at some point it's going to connect. You know, if we shun them, what kind of gospel is that? You know, and, and it's funny because a lot of the village people, they'll come up to you like, no, Sandy, no, 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 no good. And I'm like, no, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, hallelujah. So <clears throat> in Ephesians 5, where it talks about marriage, and, and I, I, I love that because it's, it, Jesus is talking about how he is with his bride and his adornment for her. And in the Message Bible, it talks about his words, his very words, evoke her beauty. So that means every time that he speaks to you or just touches you with his presence, he's just making you more and more beautiful, more and more glorious. 
Isn't that awesome? You know, it's like you think that you, you have to do something. You know, it's like, I have to do something to make myself a better Christian. You know, in Romans, it's very clear. It's like, it, it's only for a season. You can try it, but it's not going to last. That's the law. But we're under grace. We're married to grace. You know, it's like, just let that soak in. It's like, you're married to grace. You know, and if you think about, if you think about when a woman goes through to get ready for a wedding, <laughs> she has to find the most perfect dress. She'll try on gazillions if she has to. She has to look just right. She has to feel just right. She has to just, you know, when she does that spin, it just has to do the way she always dreamed it would. And then she goes on, you know, with the rest of the preparations about her makeup and her hair, her shoes, her jewelry, her bridesmaids. You know, everything for the entire wedding. Just every little detail that's just thought out. And how everything has to be just perfect. And that's how our Jesus is about you. He's just taking care of every little tiny detail. And just making you more and more glorious. More and more extravagant. Isn't that awesome? I just love that about him. That all I have to do is just love on him. And he does everything else. And even in that, he woos me. You know, I, um, people always ask me, you know, how did I end up in Bulgaria? How did I know that I needed to go there? (laughs) 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 I had an encounter with Jesus there, and I didn't have any choice but to go. I was so overwhelmed by these people. I couldn't stay here. You know, if you wonder if you're called to something or whatever, don't don't try to figure it out. Just stop. <laughs> stop tormenting yourself. And he'll make it clear. He'll make it clear. Hey. Recently, there was a young girl. And her name was Romy. <laughs> I love that sound. <laughs> That's a good one. <clears throat> hey, there's this young girl named Romy. And, uh, <laughs> Cha Chang. <laughs> oh, you'll love this story. One night they were in the church in Cousin Luck. 
we had had this guy that was clinically insane. And they had all the papers about to commit him into the insane asylum. Well, you have to understand, a Bulgarian insane asylum is like the worst of the worst of our prisons, let alone just being insane asylum. <laughs> you know, kind of medieval kind of deal, you know? And so they were, and, and he was like so bad that you would walk by him down the streets or something, and he was known to just jump on you and beat you. You know, I mean, you know, and so his family, he was, for about three nights, he was threatening to jump out the window. And so his family sent for the people from the church, and, and for three nights, they sat in there and just held him down and just spoke Jesus to him. And about the third night, he gets born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and totally put in his right mind. <laughs> and oh, see, this process thing doesn't work. <laughs> so he comes to the church. And when he comes to the church, he would just dance and dance and dance and he would just fall out on the floor just laughing and shaking and like that's cool that's cool which is father and he would just lay there and he would just for hours this would happen and a couple days go by and you know his wife comes to church well it just happens at this night that she comes that Winnie's there <laughs> Because she was like, there's no way. You're out drinking beer. You know, you're drinking. You're doing something. You're not doing, you know, you're not getting this at church. So <laughs> she comes. And, <laughs> and she's sitting about three rows back. And when he's preaching and the pastor's dad's sitting back there and the Holy Ghost just starts kind of moving through the room and a couple of them get hit with the joy and so I just thought I'm just going to go back there and drink with them a bit and mess with them a bit and <laughs> and I go back there and and I, I even have it on video I, it, I love this video <laughs> and she jumps up falls on the floor laughing hysterically gets trashed out of her mind with the whacking of all wax. <laughs> Instantaneously gets born again and filled with the Holy Ghost without anybody. <laughs> and I mean, she's one of the most faithful women in the church I've ever seen. You know, I mean, it, God just went like a whirlwind through her family. You know, her children, you know, the whole deal, you know. It's like <laughs> That's the kind of Jesus that lives inside of you. You know? Hey, so I love it when this happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so, so. Oh. Hey, hey, hmm. 
so drunk last night, she couldn't even talk. I said, Lottie, you want to share with what Jesus did to you? You want to tell tonight? Can you tell? Come on. <laughs> you want <laughs> Lottie says this has not happened to her in 10 years. Oh, actually, yeah, actually longer than that, 15. I hadn't seen this for about 15 years. In the early days of this move, of this global move of the Holy Spirit, um, there, I was, I was at a, um, I was at a Catch the Fire meeting um, down in um, John Wimber's church down in Anaheim, and there were um, there were very famous preachers that were there, very famous leaders there. And, and there was, you know, there was Randy Clark, and there was, there were John and Carol Arnott, and, um, and <laughs> oh gosh, I'm remembering this. Um, and at one point, Pastor John Arnott um, called up, he called up Eleanor Mumford from England, an, an erudite woman who could preach the gospel powerfully, and he called her up on the stage and gave her the microphone, how, what has the Holy Spirit been doing for you in this, in this renewal? And she took the microphone and was unable to speak a word. Maybe some of you have seen it on tape. I was there. I, I was absolutely dumbfounded that she was unable to speak. And other leaders were called up next. You know, and so John just laid his hand on her and more Lord and like, wham, down she went. Other great speakers were called up. Famous pastors were called up. None of them could speak a word. What was God doing? It was, it was, let every mouth be stopped. It's just the word of the Lord, his spirit speaking exclusively. And it's so funny because there must be a new move of the Holy Spirit upon us now. It happened to me last night. I was going to testify. She asked me to testify. And I'm there. And I'm like, oh, oh. I, I tried to speak. And there, no word would come forth. Nothing could come forth. God had... God had all the stage. The focus was entirely on Jesus. There wasn't anything else happening but Christ. It was one of those unexplainable things, totally unexplainable. So after a while, a prophetic word came forth. But God is doing something fantastic in, in our midst right now. Receive it, each and every one of you. Whatever he is, wants to do with you, whatever he desires to do. <laughs> Never mind the gifts. <laughs> it's him. Amen. Oh, hey. She's right. God is moving. And um, if you guys don't mind, can I have the kids? Can I have the call? Yeah. Can I have the kids? Can someone send for all the children? You know, I've been seeing God do this amazing thing with our children globally. You know, we were taught to train up a child on the way that he is to go. But, you know, it's part of that training is to train them in the spirit. 
And children have this incredible ability to have a very intimate relationship with Jesus that most adults don't have. Hey! <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to tell you guys flat out, I don't seek after the gifts. I just got to have my Jesus. All of that just follows. The word talks about it just follows. And our children know this. And so I want to just, I want to activate your kids. You know, Monday night I get to go hang out with the youth. I so can't wait. Hey, hey, the youth is coming to Bulgaria. Woohoo! We're going to party with some gypsies. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of stories of them rolling in the muck. (laughs) Oh, can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Get behind them. Get them there. And, you know, I, hey, (laughs) I have three grown kids. My oldest is 37. My youngest is 25. Two grandkids. I love being a grandma. It's awesome. (laughs) Are they coming? Aha! Come on, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Come up here. I want you to come up here. Don't go by your mom. And moms, don't give them any instructions. Just come here, guys. Come over here. It's good. I don't bite. I promise. You guys want to sit? You want to stand? All right, come sit. You want to stand? You stand. Okay. Is this everybody? Are we still waiting for some more? Okay. All right, we'll wait for the rest. All right. All right. How y'all doing? Good. What's your name? Quinn? Nice to meet you, Quinn. I'm Sandy. What's your name? Rachel. It's nice to meet you, Rachel. How old are you? Six? Seven. Awesome. What's your name? Gabriel? What is it? Nice to meet you, Gabriel. Come on, guys. It's okay. I'll only hurt a little. (laughs) Come on. You two going to stay on the wall? Are you going to come join us? Come on over here, girls. Is this your sister? Just your friend? Come on, girls.
<laughs> and that's sweet. So guys, can you guys scoot this way so I can see all of you at once? Thank you. Come on, Gabriel. You're awesome, dude. So, I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys just hang out with Jesus? How many of you guys just play games with him and stuff? It's okay. You'd be surprised at how many kids do. It's a good thing. Trust me. Yeah? What does he play with you? What kind of games? He plays chess with you? Awesome. We scrabble? Who wins? Oh! What's he play? Oh, he plays sorry with you. Awesome. Anybody else? Girls? How many? What's he play with you? He plays hide and seek. Woo! Does he always find you? Oh. <laughs> I know. But how can you hide from him? Because he sees everything. I think it's almost kind of, I thought it's not a fair game for him to play, is it? <laughs> so how many of you guys, what, what does he play? Sorry. It's awesome. Awesome. Track? Tag. Ah. Does any, he play cars with anybody? Solitaire? Cool. So how many of you guys... When you're hanging out with Jesus, Jesus gives you little pictures. Anybody else? Girls? Anybody else? Does he give you little pictures? He gives you pictures too? He gives you pictures when you were little? Yeah. He gives you pictures too? Yeah. How many of you know what to do with the pictures when he gives them to you? You know what to do with them when he shows them to you? What does he tell you? Ah. See how simple? And it's just from hanging out. How many of you guys, Jesus talks to you about praying for somebody? And what happens when he tells you to pray for somebody? What he does, what happens? Do you ever see him get healed? Awesome. What happens when you pray for them? You don't know? You just pray for them and just let Jesus do what he does? That's cool. Isn't that amazing? And the simplicity of their relationship. You know, the word talks about us being like little children. 
So how many of you guys just keep thinking you want to go and lay hands and pray for the sick? Yeah? How, how many of you guys that Jesus has been telling you you need to go lay hands and pray for the sick? Awesome. You guys want to stand up? <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> it's all good. I do it too. <laughs> so you want to so you want to help me? You want to help me? <laughs> you don't want to help me? So, so I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to pray for the sick. Who wants to do that? <laughs> All right, come here. Anybody else want to join us? Come on. Come on, Gabriel. <laughs> Is this your sister? Okay. Lord, all right, close. Okay. We're going to pray. All right? We're going to talk to Jesus. We're going to ask him to heal the sick. All right? And then you're going to pray for them. Okay? You good? All right. So, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your gifts and callings, Lord, that without repentance, Father God. Lord, I just thank you for the gift of healing, Lord God, that you just use these children, Lord, to just magnify your kingdom. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that they just, all of these kids just grow into a greater awareness of, of you, Lord. Lord, that that thing doesn't decrease, Lord, but it only increases, Jesus. Lord, let them soar in the things of the Spirit, Lord. Let them soar in their relationship with you, Lord God. Lord, that there's no limits. Oh, we just thank you for it, Jesus. We just thank you for it, Jesus. And we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feel his presence. Can you feel him? Yeah, I do too. So how many of you guys need a healing? Stand up. And look, when they come, you need to just be ready to receive. It's not, oh, they're so cute. Let Jesus touch you. So, okay, you guys see all these people that are standing? They're all sick. So go pray for them. Go ahead. Go. Just go. Everybody will stand it up. Just go. Just keep praying for them. Just go pray for everybody. And as you get healed, let us know. Just go find somebody, anybody. I see this all the time. I have five-year-old gypsy kids that are walking in word of knowledge and healing, and I didn't have to tell them. One of them, one time, I wasn't feeling very well. I went into the village, and, <clears throat> you know, no one knew it. And one of the little girls, Maria, came up to me, and she said, she said Sandy, are you sick? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. And she says, sit down. 
and lays hands on me. I never told her. Never taught her that. But she knew what it was to hang out with Jesus. You want to go pray for people? No? Okay. Who would like to, but they're too scared to? You? Come here. Let me tell you a little secret. When I first got saved, I was so embarrassed and so afraid, I wouldn't even tell anybody I was born again. People asked me, and I was like, no, not me. And I was so shy and so timid. I had no friends, couldn't talk to anybody, anything like that. And Jesus touched me. And he just changed all that and just made me crazy bold. So would you like him to do that for you? And just kind of help you with that? Oh, it's just because your parents are here? Oh, they're never here. (laughs) Yet anyway. Would you like me to go with you? No? Would you like to take a friend with you to go pray for somebody? You good? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anybody get healed yet? They still got pity people standing. Like they got all those people standing. <clears throat> you want to go pray for some more? Go. Look, look at all them people back there. Yeah, look. Jesus. Hallelujah. This should be normal, guys. She got healed? (laughs) Come on, come tell us. Come on, they still got all those people back there. Look, they got plenty of people still standing. I was just standing there waiting for one of the little little ones to come pray over me, and I sat down. I was like, my upper back doesn't hurt anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, go figure. Hey. We'll go over there. Are you done? You done? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I've gotten several occasions to spend time with Heidi Baker, and <clears throat> Heidi's 
great counsel to me was just love them into the kingdom. And who better to do this, to set the example than our kids? Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I love watching the kids pray. You know, it's so funny. I was in a conference in um, Cleveland, I guess a year ago, and um, I heard the Lord say, you know, to use the kids to pray for the sick and um, call the kids up and, you know, and they had people just lined up down the aisles. And um, we loosed the kids and and the parents are like, you know, and the girl, all the adults, and it's like, oh, that's so sweet, that's so cute. And I'm like, but how are you? Are you healed? And then I get to check it out. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's not about who we are, or how spiritual we are, or any of that kind of stuff. It's about Jesus and Him touching His people. You know, I, I, I said this last night, and, and I'm going to tell you guys too. And, I consider it a huge honor to do what I do because he doesn't need me. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to stand up in front of you and tell you anything. He doesn't need me. If he can cause a rock to cry out or if he can cause a donkey to speak, he doesn't need us. But he is so amazing in his relationship with us, that he wants us to partner with him, that he wants us to be a part of his life that we just get to. Isn't it cool? You know, it's like all of this who's who and, you know, just that one thing you just need to know, it's just Jesus. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that redeemed us. He's the one that made us whole. Hey! Anybody else get healed? You want to come tell? Good luck. Who prayed for you? Hallelujah. This one over here. You? Awesome. She got here. Isn't it cool? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to do one more thing and we're going to have some fun. I want to know how many of you guys that you know that the Lord's called you to the mission field. And that mission field could be your neighborhood. Wow, a lot of you. <laughs> Can I just ask you to stand up? Wow, look at this rent. Man, Lord, thank you for laborers. <laughs> I want to pray for you. It's too many for me to just lay hands on you all because we want to have some fun. But, um... We're just going to pray. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? Amen. 
<laughs> I like to do. <laughs> so you want to help me pray for these guys? All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that you're equipping your body, Lord, for this end-time harvest. God, that they can just readily put in this sickle and reap the harvest that you've called them to, Father. Whoa! Lord, I just thank you for every bit of provision, oh God. I thank you for the perfect timing, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you just make the way just so smooth and easy as your grace does. God, I just ask you to touch them now. Whoa! To fill them now, Lord. God, with all they need, Lord, with all the equipping that they need, Lord, to do the job that's before them, Father. We just bless you. We just bless you, Lord. We just bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey. So, oh, so I know we have to be, uh, amen. So I know we have to be out of here by 930 or we have to be shutting down at 930. Somewhere's around there. So we have a little bit of time, but not time. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love to pray for everyone, but that would take too long. So we're going to have a fire tunnel. <laughs> so who, who, you, who normally does the fire tunnel? Your leaders? Just, just what? Ah. <laughs> All right. You guys want to help me do a fire tunnel? No? Who wants to? Who wants to? Who wants to pay? All right, if you don't want to do a fire tunnel, if you don't want to help with the fire tunnel, that's okay. You can go back by your mom. If you want to help me, stay here. Okay? And Lonnie, you want to help? And Matt and Helen and Brett, is this your call? You want to? Yes? No? Come on. <laughs> Any other leaders here that want to get involved? Yay! Okay, we need two lines. Okay, okay, we need two lines. We need two lines right here. All right. Okay, but you can't hold hands. They're too short. <laughs> yeah, when they when they come through the circ, when they come through the line, you're just gonna lay hands on them. You're just gonna touch them, okay? Like you would just touch me. All right. All right. Okay. All right. That's right. That's right. Okay, so you guys good? Yeah? Now is the time to give yourself a drink of the new wine. So you guys want to line up and start over here? Line for the back. Open your mouth.
Feel free at any time to express your Thank <laughs> you. 
has not seen, ear has not heard. Paul heard what was unhearable. Paul saw in the third heaven, paradise, the Lord of glory, the lambkin of God with the marks of slaughter. What human can tell the 
eternal meaning of this. Yet this message is told every time with the bread and the wine. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling others about the Lord's death until he comes. The evangelists rejoice because this is your message, this blood, this body, until he comes. Bread in shattered form was loathed by the children of Israel, the escapees of Egypt. Their dull eyes could not see the Christ, and therefore despised and rejected him even then. Isaiah, with grief, looked to the past as he spoke of the future. He stood between the living and the dead as he prophesied of the eternal event of the cross. Despised, hated, loathed, rejected by men, he saw it all. After years and years of study and meditation on this one subject, the crucified one, his blood poured out, and especially his body given, I'm convinced that much of the truth still remains hidden to the body of Christ. Asking myself a thousand times why, the answer is still the same. Silence. There's a long silence. And louder each time. The silence begins with substance. Silence that doesn't mean there's no answer. But a silence that means the answer may be different from what I expect. From what we all expect. The silence leaves me once again alone in this presence. Silence. Long silence. Louder each time. Silence with substance. Silence that doesn't mean there's no answer. But silence that means the answer may be different from what I expect. From what we all expect. This silence leaves me once again alone in this presence. The silence presses me on every side, and then I realize it's him, pressing silence. I've been ambushed. God approaches the silence. The ears are dull, and the eyes are blue. Somewhere along the line, I got infested with religion. I got a religious virus in my brain. A religious virus. Somewhere along the line, I got a religious virus. This is my daily, this is my daily. 
What shall we say then? What words will pass from your lips? Words of praise or words of protest? What churnings from your heart will appear for the world to hear? Will you make a campaign for your own sin? Seeing how far you can go and how, somehow, force the grace of God. Man of grace has come. The promised one is here. What are you saying? What are you believing? Ha ha ha! 
Are you desiring grace to be upon you and imagine its protection as you indulge in independence? Are you like the fathers who tested and tried him in the wilderness? Are you insisting that you can't live without it? Self-rebellion? Independence is your only way of survival. Are you believing, demanding him to bless you in this insanity? shouting. He has died. He has died. Do you know what this means? The heavens shout again. You have died too. You protest again. How shall we live without sin? That's the real question. Isn't it part of our nature? His death on the cross is still unclear to such a man. A new reality is upon us now, available to all who call on his name. All who use their gift-given, childlike faith to enter these gates of paradise. The reality of his death must be yours. It must belong to you. You must possess it if you are to possess his resurrection life. All of you. Believing this, that his gift to you is death to sin. Do you realize what it means to be overwhelmed, immersed, soaked, saturated, overcome by the blood of his love? Baptized inside and out, his dying, his innocent death, he in place with you, counted among us. When you see that he died, and that it was his death that came upon you, every part of you, your old life, every act of rebellion and independence, he changed by his bloody death. He joyfully, personally washed every part of you in his own blood until nothing was left. <laughs> his tears, his sweat, his blood, working mysteriously, mystically, in the consciousness of the guilty world. Any more music? Let's get some more music.